This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. That's right. Let's go. How's it going, business storytellers? Hey, today we want to talk about email. I hate email. Oh, my goodness. Long replies, replies all. People don't pick the tone. People do stupid stuff. The list goes on and on and on. Today's guest, she was on the show not too long ago, Ann Ganser. Um, we talked about the importance of continuing to practice your craft, which is very true. If, if you haven't noticed, I'm doing l- fewer live streams currently. So every time I do one, I have to kind of catch back up, you know, which buttons do I push? So that's, it's still very true. But I ran across this book and I read it. I mean, it's not a super quick read, so I'm not going to make it sound like I read it in one sitting, but she mentions 33 ways to not screw up business email, and there's certainly plenty of them. We're going to dive into some of those. We'll get Anne back on the show here, and I'm interested to find out why email? Why did she pick that topic? Um, I, you know, yeah, email, it's, it can be a pain. Some of you, maybe all of you should read this book. Um, Anne, welcome back to the show. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me back. I'm delighted you are letting me letting me barge back in and talk with you again. <laughs> I mean, you're joining a group of uh, established marketers, uh, the, the repeat customers, repeat guests. Always appreciate uh, people like you, Joe Polizzi. Let's see who else. Um, there's been others. I don't remember. Every, Jackie Clement, I think, has been on a couple of times. So tell us about why this book. I found it very interesting. Some of the stuff I'm like, yep, somebody did this today. Yep, somebody did that last week. Yep, I've done that before. Um, and, you know, so, so tell me about why did you pick that topic and what's what's the interest and why is this even a topic we need to address, which we do. We do, right. Let's, uh, let's just say that, you know, I want to make the world better one email at a time here. Um, why the topic business emails? So there's this new multi-author series with the title 33 Ways Not to Screw Up, you know, insert insert subject. So uh, Melissa Wilson, who is the publisher of the series, invited me to contribute one uh, on a topic I thought was appropriate. So I thought, well, you know, and she wants these to be really short. As you said, this this book came in under 20,000 words. So that's a short book. Um, and I thought, you know, what's the the smallest bit of, of writing, of business writing that we all do every day? It, it's emails, right? And nobody really generally teaches us how to do them. We kind of <laughs> learn it through trial and error. Um, And wouldn't it be fun if we could just sort of skip some of those errors? Um, There is so much frustration around email. I hear all the time, you know, email's broken. Cal Newport has a new book out, uh, World Without Email, um, which I think is is very interesting. Um, So we're all really frustrated with it. And as email becomes, and, and, and marketers too, may have be thinking email is perhaps less effective than it was even five, 10 years ago. Um, so as email is less effective, we need to be better 
part not part of the problem, but part of the cure. We need to be more effective in how we use it. So I thought that this was a great short, small topic. I thought it was small until I really dove into it to pick off in a book like this that would be uh, maybe useful for a whole bunch of people. I mean, and in 20,000 words, it's not short. I mean, it's not a Stephen King novel or anything like that, but that is um, that is not a short book. I think my going live one was about 25,000. And then, of course, the, the um, content performance culture, I think it was like 45,000. So um, yeah. I don't know if that needed to be that long. Now, some of the tips you mentioned, I mean, they're just like they're very relatable and people uh, people do them. One of the favorite things that I used to do, I don't do it anymore because I really don't write as many emails anymore. You know, I mean, as, as you, you know, they, they don't go away. Right. People still email me. I email people. But the volume is a lot smaller than, let's say, five years ago. And I used to turn on the like a four minute um, delay, which is kind of long. But every time I send an email, you know, it, it it takes four minutes for it to actually send. So I can call it back, you know, if I if I said something and you talk about that in your book too. some of those um, some of those backstops, some of those safety nets. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And that's really, you know, so the, 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 the thing you said, you know, you see all of these things, we all make or have made most of these mistakes and we will continue to make them, but we can set up safety nets. We can set up processes so that we make them less often. Um, uh, so the, the, for example, that little email buffer, I, you know, I, <laughs> I've been using email since, mm, you know, mid eighties, I'm going to say I've been using business email. Um, and I didn't ever really pay attention to the fact that I had this undo buffer. So as I was researching and doing this book, I'm like, oh, I can extend that. Um, 30 seconds is enough time for me by 30 seconds. If I haven't realized I've made a mistake, I've, I've moved on. So I, I've set mine to 30 seconds, but so that was some fun thing I learned, um, in doing this, but I wanted to, uh, a make this not too specific to any software platform because software platforms change and really the, the habits and practices should be, you know, more solid. Um, so I have a lot, I asked a lot of people about what they had learned, what they did. In fact, you know, my research for this book was a storytelling exercise. I reached out to a bunch of people and said, share with me your email failure stories. Share with me stories of email things gone wrong. Um, and that was so much fun because everyone's like, oh no, you have to hear this one. <laughs> they couldn't, I couldn't fit them all in a 20,000 word book, of course. Um, but the point is we all have them, uh, but we can all clean up our email acts a little bit. So we're less likely to have them um, again. And that's what I'm trying to get at with these 33 ways. So even if you don't, you know, sit and read it, start to finish, you sit and look and you're like, oh, wait, that's interesting. You know, I can do this. Um, I also, as I gathered stories, people shared a lot of, of fun practices that they did to protect themselves from those failures. And so I try to share those in the books too, in the book as well. So that it's, I hope something that's actionable and fun and um, useful for everyone will find something in it. They're like, oh, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a really good idea for those critical emails, something like that. And, you know, sometimes when I see these articles, 33 or whatever, um, or, you know, 99 ways to, you know, something. And like, I always think like they're stretching, you know, how many there are, but you weren't, didn't seem like you were stretching. In fact, I don't know, maybe you cut some things, but certainly, um, you know, they all seemed relevant. Now, some of these are kind of up for debate a little bit because, so you talk about formality, 
And I always cringe or even like the, I think you call it the self-imposed opening or something like that. Um, yeah. This, yeah. Self-centered you know, one. Yeah. Or something. Self-centered yeah. one. And, yeah. but it's interesting because it's kind of, it's open for discussion and preference, right? So for example, I can't stand when people don't get to the point, right? When I get emails, when people, and, and we had a big discussion about this on a show actually with a, like some sales directors and they said, no, 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 they work. Maybe they do. But the emails that say, hello, Christoph, I hope you're doing well, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, that's not my problem. Well, maybe it is. And maybe I really need an ear and I'm gonna, you're going to get it, right? Here's how bad it's going. But like, get to the point. Like, if you're going to sell me something, just tell me what it is. If you have a solution to my problem, tell me what my problem is. And I think I mean, you talk about that too, you know, the, how do you talk about that? But then the formality, I prefer, I, I, I find it weird when people say, hello, Mr. Trap. Like, it's just, I mean, it's just, just Christoph. Like, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just interesting. But how do, how do people overcome picking the wrong words? Um, and especially they don't know what the person's yeah. mindset is that's going to read it. That's that's the real key point, you know, as with any kind of writing, the success is not in the thing. It's in how it lands with the the reader. So uh, how you how formal or informal your email should be depends on the recipient. Now, when you're talking about marketing emails that are just going to a mass of people, um, that's harder because you don't have a personal relationship with each of those people. Right. So in a marketing email, that that question about formality then becomes one of tone and style and brand voice, right? So that becomes brand voice. But in your personal emails, you know, if I'm emailing you, Christoph, about being on the show, I'm going to say, hi, Christoph. If I'm emailing someone maybe in a different culture, like in my, my agent in Japan, I'm going to be more formal because I think there are cultural differences. Um, you know, and you can annoy someone by showing up too casual, uh, and to straight to the point in those situations. Um, that said, I always do try to lead with the key thing in the beginning of the email because that gives people some idea of, do they even need to read the rest of this thing? Um, when you think about the fact that we're all, you know, so swamped with emails and Slack channels and stuff, you know, we're constantly being bombarded with with messages and messaging. Um, it is a compassionate thing to make your subject line really clear and to make the purpose of the email really clear in the first paragraph. That's just a kind thing to do. Hey, not just a kind thing, but the right thing. Plus, you know, if you're a writer, I have a very hard time when writers pick the wrong words. I might give you the benefit. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if, if I know somebody's a writer and they pick the wrong words, I don't buy it. That's literally what they do. Like I think you pick the right, you pick the right word to show me how you wanted to diss me or what whatever. Right. Now, um, well, I was gonna ask you here. Um, let's see, replying too quickly, number 30. This is a good one because so I used to like be like, okay, you know, done. Right, we're done. And then I decided, as you say in your book, actually, you say, well, then people have the chance to respond, right? So I thought about that for, you know, for a while. And I thought, you know, how can I still get it out of my face, but not get it into their face? I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? Because so I want to get it out of my, my desk, but I don't want them to reply right away. So now when I do send emails, I send them at 8 a.m. my time, central time. 
and at 1 p.m. So when somebody emails me at 10 o'clock and I'm watching the Yankees or whoever and the game is boring, I might reply, but it doesn't send until 8 a.m. And then they'll reply at 8.05. And then I'll reply at 8.06, but I don't send it until 1 o'clock. So to me, it's like my headaches have disappeared. That's a great practice. Just pick two windows a day when your emails will send. Um, and that way you're not constantly adding to someone else's urgency of like un unanswered email quick, because we are all, you know, I mean, there's a psychology of, of the emails and those new emails and they are so distracting. It's like, ah, oh, I got to answer that email. Um, so when you, when you alleviate that burden by being disciplined about when you send, I love that tip. I, if there's a second edition, it'll go in there, Christoph. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> a little too late to the party. So um, talk about length, right? So when people, so I, I think it was Greg Weiss uh, from MasterCard who was on Twitter. And he said, do you rather get one email with 10 things or 10 emails with one thing? And I, act, well, I, I'd rather not get any emails, but if I, if I have to use email, do I rather, I think I rather get 10 emails with one thing in each. And I know that he's giving me the, you know, both ends of the spectrum. There's no middle ground. But then you talk about, you know, there's too long and too short. And that's kind of fits into that category. Um, how do you determine how long should it be or how short should it be? And there is too short, right? That's the thing too. There is too short. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem with too short is that um, it, it, uh, not like, if you still have one point and it's a and you know too long, then that's a problem. Uh, you know, but too short is if you just kind of, hey, send me the report by Thursday. Period. And you know, I mean, that's mm, uh, that leaves opens the door to what was Anne's tone? Was she upset? Was she expecting that report? Is you know, is, one of the things that the research shows us is that we are just terrible, terrible at interpreting tone in in written communications and and emails especially um and it's affected by everything you know and like if i'm hungry when i read it or i'm distracted or i'm angry you know i'm going to say oh god damn Anne's nagging me again i can't stand that you know i mean so uh you need to have enough words to really convey what you want to convey uh and that includes the tone um when it comes to like a, a email that actually has 10 things to say and that gets to your question um there's two ways to do that. One is that, you know, 10 single subject emails um, or one really meaty email. Um, and I think that depends on whether those things are all related. Um, so I'm going to say two things. One is remember that many people use their email folders as a kind of filing cabinet. So if you want something to be retrievable later, uh, the email becomes the the unit of retrieval, right? So if you have 10 things that are kind of unrelated, you know, three things about the party uh, that we're doing and two things about a new client and, uh, you know, an office thing, you don't stick them in one email because they're really different kinds of things. And when it comes to retrieval, how is a person going to going to find it? Because a lot of us don't deal with emails the moment we first read them. We take a glance and we'll say, I'll deal with that later. So, um, so divide them up if they're different subjects. And then if they are, let's say there's 10 things about this client meeting we're having next week, right? So that's mm -hmm. really kind of one subject, but a very substantive email. Do not be afraid to use little bold subheadings. Make it really easy for people to find and scan what's in there. 
Um, I mean, it's, it's just do the work of these are the 10 things we're going to need to cover in the meeting <laughs> and then put them all like one and put it in bold and make it really scannable. And um, people will, you know, it, it takes a little bit of extra time for you, but, but people will really appreciate it. I mean, I think that when you get an email that's very, someone took some time to structure, I feel a sense of gratitude when I read it. And I think a lot of your recipients will as, as well. I agree with that. I actually have, uh, there's one person who does a very nice job. And I do actually have said that to my wife, said this person really does a nice job sending it to us in a way that's easier to consume for us, not just easier for him to get off, off of his plate. Now, so it's interesting about, so the answer always is it depends. Like, I think yeah. it really is for everything. And so what you just answered is was actually a different uh, context than how I was thinking about it in a different context than I think Greg was thinking about. It. I don't, I never asked him for his context, right? So I was thinking about it as if you sent me 10 things I have to do or that need some action, I think 10 emails are way easier than one email because I'm not going to print it, but I can delete the email as I'm checking them off, right? It's almost like my to-do list. We don't yep. have to debate whether you should use email as to-do lists. Probably shouldn't, but you know what I mean. What we you do. actually, what you actually said was, you said, if you have a meeting and you're going to talk about these ten things in a meeting, it would make no sense to have ten emails. So it's like they're both totally valid, but they're very different, right? So I think the other thing that email sometimes loses is, do people understand the context? Do people understand what it's being used for? Why do we need it? So it's just, it's very interesting. The talk about emailing upset. So why is that? What's your theory on that? Why is that a thing? Yeah, well, it's a thing because we're human beings, right? It's a thing because if I get pissed off, I'm I'm just going to fire off an email. And even if you think, even if you think it's like, they'll never they'll never see that I'm upset because, you know, I'm such a great writer. <laughs> I think they will. <laughs> um, uh, I Things come through. Um, and so again, this is business emails we're talking about. I'm not talking about family emails, although, you know, rules apply. If you have ongoing relationships with people, um, it's often best to let those emotions subside and then take a deep breath and come back at it. And I find it's most useful to take a first pass at the email outside of the email software, right? Just go ahead, write it somewhere else. Um, write it in a Google Doc or write it in a journal or write it in something to, to kind of process it. Um, one of the most interesting, and then, and then come back the next day and get a little dis distance from it and see how does this read really. Um, one of the most interesting things I learned from from doing this research is uh, two women responded to me. They're both writers and in I think the education industry, and they have agreed to be each other's, um, do diplomacy checks for each other. So when they have an email that is dealing with a difficult situation, they first send it to the other one and say, how does this read? So they get an external eye, which I think is a brilliant practice. It's like a little buddy system for the difficult emails. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that's a brilliant idea just to get a little bit of uh, the extra distance of someone else's eyes. Say, does this sound angry? Does this sound, you know, how does this read to you? 
Um, how, how is this going to land on the other person and will it damage my relationship with them? Because, yeah, I may be really annoyed at what somebody did, but if I'm going to have to keep working with them, I need a re constructive relationship going forward. So just firing off an angry missive um, doesn't do much for workplace effectiveness, uh, you know? <laughs> So I, I think sometimes it comes back to what's the goal? What are you trying to do, right? And I think when people send um, upset emails, I don't think their goal a lot of times is to do whatever they have to do in the work. I think their goal is just to blow off steam, which is obviously not the right place to do that. But I think that's that's one reason why you probably need to uh, relax for a minute before you send anything. Yeah, um, definitely. Now, I, I know you said you don't, you're surprised you would even admit this today or, or recommend it, but emojis in emails are a thing in business emails. Yep. Yep. Why they are, are you surprised? Um, why am I surprised? I don't know. You know, I guess I grew up in the old school punctuation, the, you know, like I said, emails started using in the mid eighties. So <laughs> it wasn't an emoji kind of thing. Um, uh, and the emojis seem to come so, come so much from the world of texting and social media. But what's happened is those worlds have very much blended. Um, and so uh, I do think that, you know, emojis have a place. What they're great for is um, giving some other hints about tone, uh, right? I mean, I said how much we misinterpret tone and emojis can do some, you know, they're, they're fun, they're light. You can put in the little celebration or the, you know, the smiley face or the winky face. Um, you know, the only warning there being, well, there's two warnings. One is you can't make them stand on their own. You can't say something snide and then put in a smiley face. It's like, no, that's still snide. You know, I mean, <laughs> you can't, you can't undo tone with an emoji. And two is you need to be really careful about um, stringing them on, uh, doing too many of them in a business email, uh, especially if you work with anyone who might, um, first of all, just simply have a hard time seeing it on a small screen, uh, like what, what, what's that? Um, or someone who's visual, visually impaired and using, uh, <laughs> software that reads to them because they have to listen to a recitation of every emoji, blue face, you know, <laughs> birthday cake, <laughs> firecracker you know they have to listen to a description of each emoji and i can't imagine wasting somebody's time like that so that's something i hadn't really thought of but it's a compelling reason not to pile on too many emojis i mean i'm a big fan of emojis the other the one problem though with emojis is you want to be careful there are different meanings to to some emojis and, you know, I see it with especially my teenage daughter all the time. It's like, you know, this mode emoji now means something different. Now, that yeah. doesn't mean, you know, the middle aged person I'm emailing doesn't know that either because I didn't know it either. But at some point they might. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You need to be careful. Also, I think, you know, I, I did spend some time talking to people who uh, work across cultures and, and anything that's hand gesture related can mean something different in a different culture. So be careful of those hand gesture emojis, too, because you, you if you're sending it, if you're working in an international situation, um, you might be sending the wrong message, which would be embarrassing. Yeah. To wrap us up here, maybe the last three minutes or so, uh, you talk about cut and paste, and I'm a big fan of cut and paste. In fact, I would be highly surprised if I did not send you a template the first time I invited you on. The second time, I'm pretty sure I didn't 
because I was reading your book and I just said, Aim, do you want to come on the show, talk about the book? Like that's not a template. But um, typically I just send people a template. Now you talk about the, the issues people run into with cut and paste. And my, what I've done is my templates, they work for anybody. And sometimes people complain about that. You know, they say, all right, it's not even personalized. I'm like, well, what do you want me to personalize? You know, do you want to come on my show to talk about your book? So I do personalize that, your book, LinkedIn ads, whatever. But that's it, right? Like I don't, yeah. So that's, that's wise. But, that's you, you can't get into too much trouble with, you know, uh, the wrong stuff in in, a, in an email. Um, when I asked people for horror stories, some of the ones they sent me was like, oh no, I did a cut and paste and the wrong name was in there in the middle of it or something. Um, yeah, we use templates. I mean, they save you a ton of time. They make a lot of sense. Just check them just or like you be very wise about how much personalization of the template that you need to do um but yeah i'm all for making a process out of the things that you do repeatedly because why not oh my gosh yeah and what's the best way to keep templates so i use google drive right now and there was actually i thought in google in gmail you can set templates but i couldn't find it um so what's yeah. your recommendation I don't actually have a good recommendation because people are using so much different software. I tried to stay out of the very specifics of the software. Yeah. I use Gmail and I was just poking around. Um, I end up just sort of keeping a, a, a file folder in Gmail of, of mails that I've sent that I can, um, you know, call up and, and, and use again as a template, but I'm not necessarily using a template feature. Um, probably, you know, the one recommendation I don't have in the book, which I should put is just you know, spend some time poking around whatever you're using to do email. There's probably some really fantastic features in there that you're not using enough of, um, which is applies to me as well, which is the one more point I want to say. People have started telling me, Anne, oh, now I'm really afraid to send you an email because you wrote this book on email. And I'm thinking, no, 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 wait, this is not, you know, on our last conversation, Christoph, you and I talked about perfection and how it can can freeze you. And mm -hmm. we are never, none of us will ever be perfect with our emails. We will still send things with typos. We will still screw up. We will, you know, this is not about being perfect with your business emails. It's just about being better. That's all. That's that that that's what it's always about. I was actually I was taking one of the girls to softball the batting cages. And I said, anything they got to work on this in the coach said, there's always something to work on. So we're never going to be perfect. Uh, in the last 10 seconds here or so in reply all, is there ever a place for it? There is, but it needs to be used only with intention and never as your default. You know, that's yeah. Please make the world better. Just, you know, very sparing use of reply. all. No doubt, no disagreement from my end. Great to see you again. Great book. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.